16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they, dis they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they will, they will receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting. But only will reward you. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. We hope that you'll be able to come back time and time again. Why would anyone preach a sermon on fasting between the holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas? Most of us, when we think about the national holiday of Thanksgiving, we think about going and setting before a, a wonderful and delicious table of food. And, and some of us even have traditions that says, and once we rise from that, we'll just drive down the road to some other family member's home, and we'll eat again that evening together. And when we think about the Christmas holiday season that is here and is approaching ever so nigh, many of us have already... And we'll continue for weeks, and we will enjoy the fellowship of eating together and visiting with those that are close friends and those that are family. And so why would we think about fasting and study about it right now? Well, as probably most of you know, we're placing an emphasis here as a congregation. The last 50 days of the year, an emphasis upon prayer. Prayer is something we ought to emphasize in our life individually every day. But as a congregation, we're set up on praying for certain things. We've set up on studying certain scriptures. And we want to make sure that as a congregation, we emphasize something that is so necessary. And you know, if we're fair with the scriptures, as we think about prayer and we emphasize prayer, we have to also emphasize fasting because those two are so related throughout the scriptures. From way back in the old Bible and all through the new Bible, we read about prayer and fasting. But yet, many of us might have to admit that we've not done a lot of study on fasting. Maybe we'd have to admit that we've not done a lot of fasting in our life. And I want to give you a, a warning to each of us this morning. People will oftentimes go to one of two extremes about fasting. Some will become very legalistic and they'll say more than the scriptures say about fasting. But yet others will go to the other extreme and they act as if it doesn't even exist in the scriptures, almost an abandonment of the topic itself. Friends, I want to challenge you today. Will you be honest enough in your relationship with God? Will you be sincere and loyal to your God and admit to you and your God today I want to look at this subject and I want to see what God's will is in this matter. And if it's something that God would ask of me or, or if it's something that even would give the opportunity of growth in my life, I want to grow closer to God. As we think about this, we note the passage that was so capably read just a few minutes ago. It's obvious to most of us that Matthew is a book in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, the very first book of the New Testament. The sixth chapter is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And if you'll notice there in the text that was read, we saw that he said, and when you fast. Now, when we see that, notice that he also, in this chapter, in the sixth chapter, addressed three topics. At the beginning of the chapter, in Matthew the sixth chapter, he said in verse two, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, and so almsgiving or alms deed, charitable deeds, that was the topic in the first part of the chapter. And, and there he says it when you do these things. Notice it's assumed that Christians are going to be givers. Later, very specific commands are going to be given about uh, giving. But at this point, he simply says, when you do it. We read down a little further and we see also that of prayer. And we read about prayer in verse 5 and he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And both of these two topics were addressed from the idea that some would have motives that would be impure, very hypocritical. And so they would go out and they would give by sounding a trumpet to gain all sorts of attention. And only after they had that immediate gratification, they would give their gift. Others, when they prayed, would go to an intersection on the corner there and making sure that everyone could see them, they would pray vain repetitions. And each time the Lord says, I don't want you to be hypocritical. I want you to go back and not even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing when it comes to giving. I want you to go back in a quiet closet or a quiet part of your house and I want you to enter there and I'm not looking for something out in public. I'm looking for something that's between me and you, God's saying. And as a matter of fact, I'm not looking for vain repetition. He says, I'd like for you to pray a prayer like this. And Jesus prays a prayer that we call the model prayer and it only took 32 seconds for that prayer to be uttered. And then we come to an interesting topic. And it's the topic of fasting in Matthew, the sixth chapter, which is the very next topic. And notice he said in verse, nine, in verse 16, moreover, when you fast. Notice there, he didn't say, if you fast. He just assumed that godly people would be givers. Godly people would pray. And now he assumes that godly people would fast. And when you fast. Now, immediately, as we study this topic, the question needs to be addressed, why would individuals fast to begin with? Tonight, we'll spend our entire study time together looking at why individuals would fast, looking at some examples from the Old Testament and looking through the New Testament. But as we look here we see that the reason of why some of these individuals were fasting was impure. In other words, they were fasting to be seen of men. They'd make their face long. They would make sure that it became something of a spiritual arrogance. Did everybody know that I fasted last week? Did everybody know that right now I'm on a week-long fast? You can imagine how it gave them a, an air, if you will, of a spiritual high that, that would cause great attention. And they wanted to make sure that people knew they were fasting. And he says, if that's your motive... He says, you've missed it completely. It's not about a show. Instead, it's about a secret. In other words, it's about something that's between you and God. Now, we're going to see later in this same study this morning that there were times where leaders got together and they fasted together. It's not a violation of God's will that individuals know that we're fasting. We're also going to see a time where it appears that the church fasted together. 
the point is this. Our fasting should never be about we want the attention of it. We want immediate gratification in the sense of people looking to us and thinking higher of us because we're fasting. Fasting is about us wanting to accomplish our heart and life being right with God so we are available to receive the greater blessings. Now, notice not only this, but also it's not about nothing. It's about receiving much. I want to challenge you this morning as we study throughout the day and as you take this topic with you throughout the week. If our focus on fasting is wholly about what we're giving up, we're not ready to fast. Fasting is when we're ready to gain. And what we gain is so important to us that we would give up almost anything in order to achieve it, to receive it. What were these people going to gain if their fast was not hypocritical? He said in the text that God would reward them openly. Friends, it's not just doing without the food. It's about making ourselves available for God's reward. Now, we might do without the food and nobody ever know except ourselves. We may literally fast in secret or we might get a group of leaders together and we might fast together and nobody else know. But you know what God says? He says, I'm going to give you a reward that's so great that people can't miss it. It'll be open. Now that makes me stop and think. I wonder now how many people that I have admired spiritually. Now we could start back in the Scriptures. You know, when I study the life of Paul, some of the things that Paul did, his level of commitment was so great that I almost want to say the words, unbelievable. But he did it, so it ought to be believable. Or I think about some of the brothers and sisters in Christ that I have known that, that their heart is so set upon God and no matter what trials came and what troubles came in their life, it seemed like that they were always that rock, that they were there, they were faithful. And I look at those individuals and I say, I want to be more like that. Have you ever seen individuals like that? And have you ever had that thought, I want to grow into something like that? I would suggest to you that probably most of those individuals are individuals that fast because the rewards of fasting are seen openly. In other words, we ought to be able to tell a difference in the lives of individuals based upon their spiritual commitment that they have to God. With this in mind, we think about, was this something that the New Testament church was doing? We see it taught here in the Sermon on the Mountain. We see it as it just begins as an assumption all the way back with Moses that he was fasting and God's people were fasting and we worked through the prophets, they were fasting and God's people were fasting. We come now to the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord just keeps speaking throughout the New Testament as if that's what God's people are going to do. Not if, but when you fast. But you know what? There was a period of time where God's followers, Christ's followers on earth, while He was on earth, ceased fasting. Now, you remember, and if you will, be looking with me to Mark, the second chapter. You remember that John, 
was a prophet of God. His ministry was of God. And so when he asked the people to do things, he was asking them to do things because that was God's will. When he asked them for a baptism of repentance, it's because that was God's will. It's interesting that one of the things that we read here that John's disciples were doing, John's disciples were fasting. And when they looked over at other religious people that now were the followers of Jesus Christ, it boggled their minds that people would claim to be one with God and not be fasting. And notice the teaching that we have here as we read in Mark the second chapter. Let's begin reading at verse 18. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why did the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But you're, speaking to Jesus, your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So he gives a story here to illustrate his teaching. And the story is that of a bridegroom. And associated with the wedding was the wedding feast and a lot of celebrating and a lot of eating. Friends, the idea of what we are accustomed to in America is not just an American thing. It's our human nature. When somebody receives a big promotion, you know what the family oftentimes says, where are we going to go out to eat? Let's celebrate. Or whenever something grand happens in the family, we say, oh, the family has to come over. Let's eat together. Well, he says, you want to know why my disciples aren't fasting? Think about the wedding times. Everybody knows that while the bridegroom's there, nobody's fasting. He says, there's coming a time where the bridegroom is going to be taken away from them. I suppose that would be the ascension. After the resurrection, Jesus was with them for 40 more days, and after that, he ascended. Ten days after that, the church began, Acts the second chapter. And what do we have there? We have the time that the bridegroom is no longer with them. Now, according to Jesus' words, what did Jesus say there at the end of verse 20? And then they will fast in those days. Jesus said, my disciples will fast after I'm no longer with them. He's talking about the church. That's when the church was established, when he was no longer with them. So when he says, my disciples, and when he's speaking of them, he's talking about us. He says, that's what my people are going to do. My people are going to fast, but not while I'm here. We don't do that in times of celebration. We'll do that at other times. Well, naturally, I want to know what are some other times that the church practiced fasting Because we need to know this if Jesus says this is something his people do. Let's look to Acts the 13th chapter. In Acts the 13th chapter, we have the chapter that begins Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. Here he's called Saul and Barnabas. And as we look at this first missionary journey, we have a glimpse of a local church, if you will, a congregation in Antioch. And in this church, there were various leaders of the church. Now notice what's going to happen here as these leaders are ministering in the Lord's service. 
the 13th chapter in verse 1, he says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they, speaking of the leaders we've just read, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, now it makes it sound like now we have a second fast about to take place. If not, it's a continuation of the first fast because of some news that they've just learned. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I don't know if this will help you or confuse you, but in my study, it helps me to think about fasting, at least the motive of fasting, in two different ways. One is vertically. It seems that these leaders were fasting because of their ministry to the Lord. See, if you read the text there, they were fasting before these individuals were ever called away from them. They wanted a life of service to God. And because they longed for a life of service to God, they wanted to make sure that their life was ready to serve God. And one of the ways to prepare themselves was through fasting. But then they received word from the Spirit that two that were tremendous leaders in that church. Can you imagine a young congregation and the two that were the primary leaders being called away from it, how that would shake up that, the dynamics those individuals of that congregation? You think how, from a human standpoint, it must have made those of Antioch feel whenever they received word from the Spirit, I want you to send Saul and Barnabas. You know, your first natural instinct would be, no, we, we can't exist without them. No, we lean heavily upon them. And so now we see a horizontal approach to fasting, if you will. Now they're concerned probably about themselves. Now they're concerned about the two men that they love dearly, that they're going to be sending away in areas that, that history would prove and the future would be for them not a very safe trip in many aspects. And so they love these individuals. They don't want anything to happen to these individuals. And so they fast and pray, no doubt, for the congregation there at Antioch, but definitely for the ones that were being sent away from them. Have you ever stopped to think about Prayer is approaching the Almighty God. Fasting is to prepare oneself to approach the Almighty God. Fasting will show within us signs that are very active of humility. Signs that are very disciplined and our desire to grow closer to God. Wouldn't it be awesome if before we go in March or in June or in July on mission trips, that all the leaders of those mission trips fasted and prayed just as we see the example of the early church before they sent people they loved out 
to win souls to Christ. Tonight we'll study more of why fasting benefits us and our relationship with God. Let's go to Acts the 14th chapter. In Acts the 14th chapter we see in verse 23... And what I'd like to do is not going to be on the screen, but I'd like to back up to verse 21 and read to 23. Now, this is the end of the first missionary journey. And as Paul has, is coming back through, there's some unleft work, unfinished work that needs to be completed. And notice what he does here, beginning in verse 21, we see the description. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Now, here's what they wanted to do when they returned. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Paul, why did you go back through to those churches? He says, we just wanted to strengthen the brethren there. We want to do something that's going to make it better for them. We want to exhort them to stand on the side of righteousness and be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we wanted to let them know there's going to be some difficult days. And we don't have a choice. We must stand strong during those difficult days. Paul, how in the world are you going to urge a church to do that? How are you going to urge a church to be strengthened? How are you going to urge them to stand on the side of Christ even when the days are difficult and the tribulation and the persecution is coming in? He says, we're going to appoint elders. Amen. Elders give strength to an entire congregation in a way that's just hard to explain. But notice how serious it was. Notice the approach from the hearts of these individuals as they appointed these elders. Verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They appointed these elders. You know what they did at that point? They wanted to commend them to God. Well, I, I would say if a man's qualified to be an elder, he ought to already be commended to God. Why'd they do it then? I have no doubt that they appointed qualified men, but why, after they appointed qualified men, did they commend? It means to make a deposit. Why did they come back after that and say, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast, and we're going to commend these men to God? Did the church not realize how important this act was in their existence? Absolutely. Can you imagine how much easier, easier it would be to lead a congregation that has fasted and prayed for the spiritual well-being of that eldership? Can you imagine how the congregation's heart and right would be proper toward their relationship with those elders? All of us have seen congregations that don't respect elders and what a sad sight it is. I suppose one thing would be true in that. 
that congregation has never fasted and prayed for their elders. That congregation probably doesn't realize the rich value and blessing godly elders are. These men were appointed by individuals fasting and praying for them. Look with me if you will. I'd like to go to a passage that we don't have a slide for. It's 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, as we move toward a close. 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. We see Paul looking at the Christian life from the standpoint of an athlete. Have you ever known of a really serious athlete that didn't change some things about their physical behavior? A serious athlete controls their diet. They discipline themselves to certain behaviors and activities. And Paul says, I look at myself as a spiritual athlete. And so we pick up in verse 24 and he talks about running the race, but only one receives the prize. So see, that puts the level of commitment in. We want to run as if we're the only one to receive that prize. But yet then he tells us more than that can obtain. And then in 25 he says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That's self-control. They practice self-control in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Paul says, if somebody will discipline themselves and they'll take certain things out of their life and they'll put certain things in their life just to receive a trophy, he says, do you not think that Christians would not discipline their lives to obtain something that is eternal? And with that in mind, he says in 26, Therefore I run, thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, and here's the phrase, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul, what, what did you do? He said, I disciplined myself. Notice he didn't say I disciplined my mind. He didn't say I disciplined my spirit. He didn't say I disciplined my soul. He said, I disciplined my body. Friends, God would teach us there are things that we need to do with our body that makes us greater recipients of His blessings so that we can do more. As we look to the next slide, we see a definition of fasting. To obtain, to abstain from food or something good, to obtain something better. Fasting. Fasting in reality is a greater hunger for God than for anything else. Well, I, I guess I just need to fast sometime. Are you hungry for God? You don't need to fast if you're not hungry for God. Fasting's not about, well, I wonder if I can go three days without food. Fasting is how bad do you want to petition God about something. To what level of commitment does it mean to you? How much are you ready to make yourself available to God's blessings? And tonight we'll look at many examples where individuals proved that their beseeching God was worth more than anything on this earth. You see, as we go to the next slide, it looks very similar to the first one, but yet... As we ask at the beginning on that slide, what is the benefit of being hungry? Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Friends, fasting is not about being hungry for food. Fasting is about being hungry for God. I've got a long way to go. You know, our family sat down the other day and we talked just a little bit about some things we're going to do different in 2005. Tracy and I sat down and we had that same discussion as a couple, some things we're going to do different. I've been having some talks with myself of some things that I really need to do different. Years coming to an end. We turn that calendar to a fresh start. I wonder if fasting is something that many of us need to do a little different. Maybe instead of concentrating first on fasting, maybe we first need to ask ourselves, are we really hungry for God? That just is always the result. Fasting is always the result of people that are hungry for God. It just happened. It wasn't if, it was when. Tonight we'll look at many of those times that they did. We are about to sing a song of encouragement. And I hope that there's someone that's hungry for God this morning that if your life has not been right up to this point with God, the hunger is so great for God that you will walk down the aisle and you'll say that you want your life right with God. And if you've never been baptized into Christ for remission of sins, that as a believer that's willing to repent, that you'll have that hunger that says before others, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I want to turn away from sins and I want to be immersed into Christ. That's the greatest hunger that we can ever have. And the Lord says, I can feel that. I can, I can give you satisfaction if that's your hunger. Maybe you've been hungry in the past, but yet you've nibbled at the world so long that the world has separated you from God, and this morning you just want to turn away from that, and you want to focus again, and you want prayers to the church for your forgiveness on behalf of, or to your God. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.